strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Because I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. That's right, it's tax day, but it is also, it is also time. Let's hit it. Hottest ticket in town is still Suns tickets. If you are Tammy Allen from Mesa, Tammy Allen from Mesa, you have 10 minutes to call to qualify to win game two tickets for tonight's game against uh, the um, L.A. Clippers. Tammy Allen, you need to call 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The clock starts now. Tammy Allen, you've got 10 minutes. Good luck. We'll see if we get another qualifier. Giving away tickets today. All right. Uh, it is tax day. I've got a lot to talk about. Our economy is going well, very well in Arizona, but there are small businesses that are very concerned as money is drying up. Um, when you don't have access to a line of credit, let me explain uh, just to some people out there in the construction world how a lot of this works, which can be really difficult. As an employer, you know you got to pay your employees, whether it's every week or every two weeks. However you pay your employees, they get paid before anybody else gets paid. So you're paying your employers. You are also buying material for job sites. You're putting fuel in your vehicles. You're buying tools. You're doing all the things that are necessary to get your jobs done. When you work for a general contractor, generally speaking, they have the law. I think the law is still 10 days. They have 10 days to pay you or two weeks to pay you after they have been paid by the customer. So you're building a big building, uh, whatever that is. You're building a project that you're working for a general contractor. So you bill the general contractor generally, uh, usually by about the 20th of the month for the end of the month's billing. They will then compile all of the bills from their subcontractors. They will put their bill together. They submit that to the client. The client usually has 10 days to pay the invoice, which means you're usually somewhere around 30 days before you get paid after you've already spent that money. So you're usually working 30 days, and there's a lot of subcontractors out there right now laughing when I say that because some of them are net 30. Some of them are finding out it's net 60, net 90, which means you are carrying the freight. You're paying for the employees. You're paying for the materials. You're not getting reimbursed yet for all of those things, you have to carry that expense. So having a business line of credit is so important. It is a lifeline for a business to stay open while they're waiting for these big checks to come in. And then you pay off the line of credit and you move on. And this is how small businesses stay afloat many times by having that line of credit. Until they can get enough cash in the bank where they're their own creditor, this is the way business is done. Well, we know that because of the bank failures that have happened and inflation and everything else, that these business lines of credit are drying up. More and more small businesses are finding out that banks are not willing to extend credit to them anymore, fearing that there will be a default. So that is drying up. We are seeing really good things happening in the Arizona economy. There's no doubt about that. But what would slow us down would be a major recession nationally, but especially if even a thriving small business doesn't have the access to credit they've had before. Now, I worked very hard on paying my bills off and keeping my credit high, credit score high. I've done that over the last years or so. I make sure I have access to credit now where I didn't before. And it's funny, the old adage is that you're going to be able to – you know, get money when you don't need it. 
but I have a, you know an emergency line of credit if something big and bad were to happen, I have the ability to access some money. I'm not in a business right now where I'm laying out a ton of money for something that I'm going to need to tap into that credit. But when I was a contractor, when I was an electrical contractor, I had lines of credit with supply houses. I had a line of credit with Home Depot. I had a a line of credit with my bank, which was connected to my house. It was a HELOC, a home equity line of credit, that if I needed to float that money, and when the economy crashed in 08, 09, I was left holding the bag with a lot of debt and not a lot of money coming in. And so businesses are fearful of this all the time. Now let's shift to talk about taxes. Uh, it's tax day, and many people are filing today, uh, individuals and small businesses. And a lot of the businesses file quarterly, so this isn't a big deal. But to many people, it's a huge deal, especially today as a lot of times the people that wait to file are the ones that wait to the last minute because they owe. So they wait to write that check. But there is a couple of stories. If you can Google it, you know, crazy tax deductions that are legal or odd tax deductions that are legal. I've got 20 overlooked and unusual tax deductions you may be eligible for if you own a dog. Now, I own a Rottweiler. And um, if I were running my business, if I were doing this show out of my house, and so I had a home office, and I do have a home office, but if I could, I could deduct the expenses to feed and groom my dog because he is my protection at the home. He's a guard dog. That's weird that you can deduct the expenses for your pet, but the government allows it. If you have a cat at a business property and that cat's job is to keep mice away and rodents away, you can deduct expenses connected to your cat. If you have a medical condition and your doctor says and writes in a prescription, you could benefit greatly from a swimming pool because you have arthritis or some other condition where that water swimming can actually alleviate some of that pain and inflammation. You could actually deduct the expense for your swimming pool. The reason why I bring these things up is because um, wealthy people hire lawyers and accountants to do their taxes, and they whittle their tax burden down through all kinds of different means that are absolutely legal, and they find a way to eliminate their tax burden to almost nothing. And I will tell you, doesn't bother me at all. The reason why it doesn't bother me is because the law is written that way. Both sides of the political aisle do it. Democrats are always talking about the rich and tax the rich, but they are the ones that help build this tax code. Joe Biden, who continues to now talk about millionaires and billionaires paying their fair share. A, Joe Biden and his family benefit from these tax uh, relief as well. But also, you have to remember and be fair, even if you're a supporter of the president's, you have to be fair in this regard. Joe Biden has been a member of the United States Congress beginning in the 1970s, I believe, if not. Yeah, it was in the 1970s. So he is was a big crafter of the tax code changes over a 30 or 40 year period. He was the vice president of the United States. Now he's the president. Now, all of a sudden, the mantra to the American people is about wealthy people paying their fair share. It is rich benefactors and donors to Democrat candidates and Republican candidates 
the ones that have the money to spend at a high hourly wage to pay a lawyer instead of paying the government to do their taxes and reduce their tax burden in a legal way. I'm not accusing anybody of illegality to getting their tax burden down to almost zero. The problem is someone like you or someone like me that makes decent money, you know you're going to pay taxes, but we can't afford $300 an hour for a lawyer to do our taxes, nor would it help us. We'd spend more on lawyers than we would in taxes. But there's a lot of deductions we don't get to take. There's a lot of things we don't know which is right or which is wrong. And God forbid you accidentally do something wrong, then the IRS comes after you and you pay penalties and interest on that mistake. It is way too cumbersome to navigate the tax code. I think that's universal. I, I don't I don't think that's a Republican Democrat thing. We should simplify our tax code. What you make minus what you've paid compared to what you owe. Do you get a refund or do you owe? Period. End of story. And we don't do that. We have all of these other weird things. Coming up in a couple of moments, we have a segment called Did You Hear This? We do it every day at 1120 to get you caught up on the headlines. We'll get to it in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, a very busy news day. Let's get you caught up. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Arizona's economy has continued to grow and add jobs over the past decade. Data analyst Garrett Archer and our TV partners ABC 15 breaks down the numbers. About 3.15 million non-farm jobs are in Arizona. Almost 80,000 of these jobs were added in the last year. That's a rate of 2.6%. So this is an increase of 30% in 10 years. How does Arizona ensure they continue on this incline? I think we continue with a couple of different things. First of all, education opportunities so that we have a smarter workforce that attract businesses because they want to hire from our employee pool. I think that we continue to keep the tax burden low on businesses and individuals. I think we also keep the regulation where we're not compromising quality, but we are also making it easier for businesses to start up. I think those are all really good ideas continuing in the right direction. We have seen a lot of big industry come here, which is terrific, but we also understand the lifeblood of a good economy many times are the small businesses. Are we fostering small business growth? The answer has been yes, and I think that continued uh, path is what's going to keep us on the road to success. Dominion's voting lawsuit against Fox is set to begin today in a Delaware courtroom. Dominion is alleging defamation against the network, saying it amplified false claims about its voting machines in 2020. We are expected to see some high-profile Fox personalities who take the stand. They have a trove of text messages and internal communications to show that while the hosts were privately casting doubt on these conspiracy theories, they were pushing them anyway. So we're expecting Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, Maria Bartiromo, and of course some of Fox's top executives, including Rupert Murdoch, to testify. How could the outcome of this case impact freedom of the press? I think it's going to be a big issue um, because it is about what you are putting out there. You are protected, and I think the press always should remain protected. But are you intentionally saying something you don't believe in, and is that a crime? I am surprised that Fox hasn't settled this lawsuit. Asking these high-level people to testify in court what it's going to do to the reputation of the network, I think the sticking point in this might be that Dominion probably doesn't want to sign an NDA, which is a non-disclosure. 
agreement that they want to be able to continue to talk about this, where I would guess Fox would be willing to spend a lot of money and give it to Dominion to say, okay, but you've got to sign a non-disclosure agreement that says you won't talk about this so we can go away faster. I'm surprised it's gotten this far, but now that it has, I'm anxious to see how the testimony goes and how it ends up. Not the money that's put out there, but as Julia just alluded to, how this affects the industry of journalism. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the headlines. The Senate Homeland Security Committee heard from Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas about the funding he is asking for that is part of the White House's 2024 budget proposal. The money would go toward increasing agents and streamlining refugee services. In his opening remarks, Secretary Mayorkas discussed the increased crackdowns at the border already happening. We are attacking cartels and smugglers through new campaigns and enforcement surges, efforts that have resulted in the arrest of more than 9,100 smugglers, the disruption of over 9,000 human smuggling operations, and record seizures of fentanyl at our ports of entry. Will or should the Senate approve this funding? It all depends on how the funding is going to be used. If the policies do not change for entry, we are not going to see much change in any of this. This is a cause and effect. I think what we are going to see when Title 42 expires is a huge mass of people crossing our border, which means um, CBP agents that should be focused on contraband and illegality are going to be forced to process people, taking their eye off the drugs that are coming in. One causes the effect on the other. I think that what we need are real policy changes and a plan. Money's a big part of it. you got to pay to have people to do this. But what does that money pay to do? And I think when we hear more from the White House's plan moving forward, we can decide whether or not there's value in the money that needs to be spent. Some good news out of the NFL today's Buffalo Bills general manager Brandon Bean announced that safety DeMar Hamlin has been cleared to return to playing football. Here's DeMar Hamlin speaking at a press conference just a few minutes ago. This event was life-changing, but it's not the end of my story. So I'm here to announce that I plan on making a comeback to the NFL. Are you surprised that he wants to play football again? I'm not surprised that he wants to play football again. I'm surprised that he's able to play football again. This is nothing short of a medical miracle. Anybody that's ever saw that video and watched this young man drop dead on a football field, I mean literally drop dead on the football field, brought back because of the quick actions of the medical team and CPR, and his pathway back shows you that the the recovery is remarkable. But you have to remember, these are world-class athletes, the tallest, the fastest, uh, they got the most athletic in every way, and this young man is not only returning to a normal way of life, he's going to go back into the game. I think that is a medical miracle, and I think all eyes are going to be on the Buffalo Bills and this guy's performance, and I think it's awesome. Thanks, Julia. Great job. Um, I thought you were going to talk about the good news was going to be the $51 million a year contract that they gave Jalen Hurts. That's $3 million a game he's going to make. I know. I thought Tamlin was a bit cooler. It is. It is a very cool story. I'm happy for anybody that makes money. I think, you know, this is a huge contract, a guaranteed money for a quarterback, and uh, his game checks are going to be $3 million bucks. That's minimum. That's a $3 million check for every game he plays. That sounds pretty nice. That's just regular season. I don't know what they're going to pay him for playoffs. That's incredible. Anyway, um, we did not get a qualifier, did we? All right, so Tammy Allen did not call in, so that means you have an opportunity. If you would like to win a Suns prize pack and be qualified for tickets for tonight's game two, be caller number five at 602 277 
602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. Caller number five, you're qualified. Good luck. Coming up in a moment, we are going to talk more about what happened in the East Valley yesterday and a closer to a replacement for an expelled legislator. All that's coming up next. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, we have another qualifier. Kim Aries is our qualifier this hour. There'll be another one at 4 o'clock, so you're going to want to get registered. The hottest ticket in town, Suns Playoff Tickets. Text the word TICKET to 411923. That's TICKET to 411923. You'll be registered, and they will have another name in the 4 o'clock hour, and it could be you. Um... Republicans choose three possible replacements for ousted lawmaker Liz Harris, including Harris. That's the headline from the Arizona Republic. Um, there have been people that say, why would they do that? How could they possibly do that? Well, we saw it happen in Tennessee. There were three ousted Democrats in Tennessee from the state legislature because of a protest at the state capitol. They were found to have violated the rules of the body, so they were they were um, expelled, and one of them actually got their seat back. They went through the basically the same process where the district where that person came from named three names. That person's name was one of the three names. Went before the board. The board choose, chose that person to go back. That person was then sworn back into their seat. Will that happen in this case? I don't think so. I don't think the County Board of Supervisors is going to, but her name is on the list. The question I have about the Board of Supervisors is will they accept one of these three names and choose that person to go to the legislature to represent District 13? Or will they require the Republicans from that district to give them three more names? Um, this is I guess this is there is a power struggle that is going on within the Republican Party, and I'm not calling it good or bad. I'm just acknowledging that it exists. And um, I am one for a spirited conversation as long as those conversations begin and end with we both want what's best. I have maintained a very good level and a good relationship with people that I disagree with on the issue of election integrity because I'm not going after them personally. And I mean that sincerely. It's not that it's this is not an act. I know very good people. You may think that I'm crazy because what you've been seeing, you see what um, you see a perception when you hear me on the radio. um I love the fact that people think they know me because I try to be as authentic as I can on the air. I don't put on an act. This is who I am. But you don't know me. You know, there are things about my life and where I've come from and where I am and that you just don't know that you can't hear on a radio show no matter how much you listen. And when you hear about someone that's standing up for a cause, um, we kind of pigeonhole people based on a perception of the short sound bites we hear. I can tell you with 100 percent confidence that there are people – In my party, and I am a Republican and proud to be a Republican, there are people within my party that I don't necessarily agree with that firmly believe that the 2020 and 2022 elections were stolen from some candidates. Now, I don't subscribe to that belief. I don't believe that's true. But I don't disrespect anyone who does. 
I will say that there are a lot of people that believe the election was stolen that handle it poorly. Those are the people that everybody sees. And I don't think it's a conspiracy. I just think that's the way it is. Headlines matter. When it bleeds, it leads. That's kind of how it goes. When you are the extreme opinion, you get the most attention. That happens. Um, You know, the vast majority of people on January 6th stayed outside of the Capitol building. But what you saw was the guy wearing the, uh, you know, the buffalo head and his face painted in the loincloth. That's what makes news. Um, So when it comes to election integrity, uh, I don't subscribe to it being a stolen election. I think mistakes were made, big mistakes were made in 2022, but I don't think they were intentional and I don't think it changed the outcome of the election. That's my opinion. I try to maintain good rapport with people because I think it's the right thing to do, that because we disagree on this issue doesn't mean that I think you're crazy or you're you're a bad person or don't belong in the party. What we've seen in this election integrity conversation far too often is angry people acting out in an angry way that are detrimental to their own cause. And I, with all due respect to Liz Harris, what she did within that that joint session, that joint hearing of Senate and House at the Arizona State Legislature was wrong from beginning to end. She was she knew ahead of time that she wasn't supposed to do it. She had had conversations, I believe, with leadership um, ahead of time, not that day, but weeks prior, that if she thought that there were criminal activities that happened, she should take it to the appropriate place in a courtroom and have it investigated, have law enforcement investigated. And here's the other part of it. If there are documents out there that show that our governor, our secretary of state, the mayor of Mesa, leadership in the House and the Senate and the state legislature, this covers both parties, by the way. This is not party specific. But you're making really big accusations against people, and you believe there is evidence of it. Show us the evidence. I mean, it's very easy. The media will look at your evidence. And then once the media sees it and there's proof, at least on face, that this needs to be investigated further, there's a reason. And this is where it starts going down the road of a conspiracy. You explain to me if the election was stolen, why people out there in law enforcement on your side of the political aisle would ignore the evidence. Why wouldn't they further the investigation? Because supporters of Liz Harris say these accusations are so serious they deserve to be investigated. I don't disagree with that. I agree. They should be investigated. But the fact of the matter is there has not been one shred of proof that has been shown to the public. And everybody in the entire media and law enforcement community has to be in on it for that to be true, that everybody is keeping it a secret. That's just the way it is. Now, you can justify it any way you want. But the problem here was the behavior of the former representative, what she did endangered, I, I don't, danger isn't the word, but compromised the integrity of both chambers of the legislature and opened the state of Arizona up to major lawsuits. There are people out there that have been accused. I was in a room a month ago and uh, was talking about this very topic because I was asked about it. And a woman in the room stood up and said, my husband is one of the people that's been accused in that paperwork. 
And I'm glad she had a little bit of a sense of humor about it because I said to her, did you ever think you would ever have to stand up and say you're not associated with a cartel? And everybody in the room started to giggle a little bit. And she even laughed a little and said, no, I never thought that. But this is really happening to people. This isn't some abstract uh, point of view that something was stolen and you're going to prove it. There was an accusation made by a testimony that was brought in by a legislator into a joint legislative session. This is an official state business in the state in the state's records. This isn't just someone commenting on Twitter or speaking in, in a room full of people and saying these things are happening. This is a major undertaking. When you do something like this, it has major implications. So I don't think the legislature had any choice but to do what they did. And so they had to make a decision on how to handle this that protected the voters in the state of Arizona from lawsuits that your tax dollars might have to pay and send a message that there is an appropriate place to bring accusations and there's an inappropriate place. And when you cross that line, remember all five members, three Republicans and two Democrats in the Ethics Committee, found that ethics violations happened. And the, the sooner we look at the reality of what's happening in a situation instead of the emotion of how we feel about something, the better off we are. I've even said this before, and I mean this honestly and respectfully. If Liz Harris has absolute proof or the accuser has proof that this is happening, bring it to me. I will look at it. I'll talk about it on the air. If it's true, I'll make sure it gets in the hands of law enforcement that will fully investigate it. And I will do a full apology on the air um, that I said it wasn't happening. But unless you produce proof, no one will nor should they just believe you because you said you know it's true. These are two serious of allegations against high-level people to just let it go with someone's opinion without offering proof. And I, I just don't – this is just kind of crazy that we are dealing with this the way it is. All right, one more segment of the show. We're going to talk a little bit about your money. It's all coming up here in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Um, we uh, A couple of different stories before we close it out. Been talking economy, today's tax day. Well, there's a couple of things I thought is interesting. Uh, California, I- I've been comparing what we pay for things, how it differs from taxes. Here's what I mean. Um, you pay a sales tax, you pay a percentage. Not based on income, not even based on the price of what you're buying. You pay a sales tax based on the item you're buying. If you buy a more expensive television, you pay more in taxes. You buy a more expensive car, you pay more in taxes because it's a higher price, not a higher percentage. But in the income tax code, the more money you make, the higher percentage you pay, the larger percentage. And I think that's unfair. California right now is proposing that you have an income-based utility bills. Get this. If you make less than $28,000 a year, it would be a fixed rate proposal. You would pay $15 a month. 28 to 69 be 20, 69 to 180 you'd pay 51, and over $180,000 you'd pay $85 a month. So this is part of the way they want to charge for PG&E, San Diego Gas and Electric, PG&E, Southern California Edison. Um this is uh this is based on income. 
I think it's foolish, but that's what they're proposing in California. The other thing is a story on, out, of, out of USA Today out of Nashville, that uh, lawmakers in at least 11 states have sought to loosen child labor laws to help employers fill empty jobs. Um, They're saying that in some places they want to, Republicans want teenagers as young as 14 to be able to work in restaurants. I have absolutely no problem with this. I understand labor laws and not wanting to have little kids be working in, 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 you know, uh, sweatshops. But the idea I started my I had my first job when I was 12. Now, that obviously was was not within labor regulations, but I worked in a restaurant when I was 12 years old as a busboy. And then at 15 years old, I lied on an application and said I was 16 so that I could legally work. I lied. So most people were lying about their age to drink. They were getting fake ideas to drink. I was lying about my age to work. It was a necessity for me. You know, my mom was a single mother. If I wanted anything, if I was going to buy anything extra, I needed to pay for it myself. And I bought stuff for my brothers. And the problem for me was I liked working more than I liked school. That was my mistake. But we're at a time now where young people don't have a very big sense of responsibility. There are jobs out there that are available, entry-level jobs that young people could be taking. Learning a work ethic, and in some families it's necessary for younger people to go to work. Wouldn't it be better if those younger people, instead of being paid under the table and hidden jobs, that these people were able to work and to help feed their families if necessary? And if a family doesn't want that, listen, I admire any family where a young person doesn't need to work. But for some families, it's a reality. For some families, it's a necessity. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It didn't damage me as a human being. I think maybe that development of a work ethic at a young age actually helped me when I got older. I don't know. Um But I would have – I don't know why this is that big of a deal. This is the other interesting thing, and I know I'm going to make people angry when I say this. We live in a world where you believe an elementary school child should be able to choose their gender without their parents' knowledge, but it's abusive to let them work a job at 14. Does it not seem we have a convoluted look at how young people and how responsible they can be? And it's just – it's very odd to me. I mean that sincerely. It's an odd thing. Hope you got your taxes done. The music means we are just about out about uh, just about out of time, and I'm certainly out of words to speak. I would like you to follow us on social media at Broomhead KTAR on Twitter is my personal account. If you'd like to correspond with me, if you read something on Twitter on that account, it comes directly from me. Um, at Broomhead Show updates you on show topics and things we're doing on the show, so I'd love you to follow both accounts. And if you're an Instagram user, Mike Broomhead, all one word, is uh, how you can follow me on Instagram as well. We'll be back tomorrow morning just after 8 a.m. with another edition of the show. So thanks for listening today. Until tomorrow, have a great day, everyone. Go Suns and God bless.